We won't cover all this, but we'll give you a little bit. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 10, we'll, we'll do like uh, 8 through 10. And um, this is where you study in what we call the great confession, Romans chapter 10. And he's talking here about being right with God or approved by God or having the favor of God on your life. And he's talking here about the subject of righteousness in Romans chapter 10. And all of it's good, but we'll start with verse 6. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. Romans 10, 6 says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise or talks this way. The righteousness that you receive from God, the God kind of righteousness, talks this way. This is how it's produced. The righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Verse 7, who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is near thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So he says the word of faith must be where? Two places. Number one, where? In your mouth. Where else? In your heart. So it's not enough to have faith in your heart. That faith or the word of faith must be in your mouth. So what does it say here? Well, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So notice this. This is the call, the great confession. As a Christian or as a believer, the great confession is this right here, that Jesus is Lord. In other words, if you talk to most Christians even, uh, they would say, if you talk about confession, they talk about the confession of your faults and the confession of your failure or the confession of your sin. But I'm going to give you so many more scriptures on the confession of your faith the significance and the importance of the confession of your mouth and the confession of your faith. That's why Christianity is called the great confession. Great confession. What is that confession? Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. Something happened when God raised him from the dead. When you find out what happened when Jesus died and when God raised him from the dead and with your mouth you affirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess, and the word confess here, confession simply means to agree with or say the same thing. In other words, with your mouth, your faith confession is, I agree with what happened on the cross, the death of Christ, the blood of Jesus, what happened when God raised him from the dead, and my confession of faith is that Jesus is Lord. All right, let's try it one more time. So our understanding of the Lordship of Jesus and our acknowledgement and confession of that Lordship. All right, let's try this one more time. Our understanding of his Lordship, who he is, what happened in his death and resurrection, and our confession, our agreement of that, he said, it is that confession that will always produce salvation. Salvation meaning here, certainly you receive eternal life. Certainly you're saved in the sense that when you die, you know you're going to go to heaven. But actually the word salvation means so much more than just someday I'm going to go to heaven. 
the word salvation means actually deliverance, safety, healing, preservation, soundness, and everything that's included in the blessing of the Lord for your life. So it is that confession that you affirm with your mouth, your agreement with God that Jesus is Lord, by his stripes I'm healed, by his blood I'm washed and forgiven, and in his name I have authority over every devil. When I confess Jesus as Lord, I'm serving notice on the devil that sin cannot dominate me and Satan cannot dominate me and sickness cannot dominate me. Jesus is my Lord. I have been delivered from the power of darkness and I've been translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. He is King. He is Lord. He is Lord of glory. He is my Lord and my Savior. Understanding of that Lordship makes it easy for you to surrender to him. All right, let's try that one more time. I said understanding his Lordship makes it easier for you to say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Understanding that Lordship also serves notice on the adversary of the devil that he can no longer dominate you. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Now, when you make this confession called the Great Confession, partly because of this passage right here, Christianity is called the Great Confession, but also because of what Simon Peter did when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Simon said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, it is that confession of your faith and the revelation of who Jesus is that he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Y'all still here? So notice what happened in this transaction because they were calling Jesus Elijah, one of the prophets, which is a pretty high, you know, compliment. But when Simon said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and you bring everything that the Messiah will bring from the Old Testament, all the promises in the fact that surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases, and by his stripes we're healed. So Jesus demonstrated that in his earth ministry. But in his death as our substitute, he took our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took our sickness so that by his stripes we're healed. He took our poverty so that we could be blessed coming in and blessed going out. That confession that Jesus the Lord, and here Simon says, here's the transaction. Because when I was 17 years old, I saw this about your confession of faith. So when Simon said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, then Jesus turned to him and said, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So we know that Peter means a piece of the rock. Jesus is the rock. And that's the revelation of Christ to build the church. So when Simon got revelation of who Christ is, and he acknowledged that, then Jesus told him who he is. All right, let's say it this way. Don't allow anybody to tell you who you are except Jesus. In other words, you're not what your mama made you or your daddy made you or your past made you or your failures made you. In other words, Jesus changes your whole identity, and he says, I'll tell you who you are. 
And who you are is a piece of the revelation of who I am. Well, that's good. That's really good. I'm, uh, if it ever dawns on you, stop the car and get out and run around it. Amen. So, so understanding the power of that confession, that means you acknowledge and declare your identification with Christ. All the word confession means to say the same thing or to agree with. So your identification with Christ is activated by your identical confession. All right, let's try it one more time. In other words, it's not enough to believe it. You're going to have to say it, and that confession, all right, let's go over it this way. If you'll study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, Jesus was constantly confessing his identity and his destiny. All right, let's try it one more time. I said Jesus was constantly declaring, this is who I am. This is what I have. This is where I came from, and this is where I'm going. So some of you say, well, I just want to be like Jesus. Good, here's the great point. So if you want to be like Jesus, then you must be constantly confessing your identification with Christ, who you are in Christ, what the blood of Jesus has done for you is that confession, listen now, that precedes salvation. In other words, the salvation don't come first, and then the confession, it is the confession that produces the salvation. All right, let's try it. Somebody said, well, I'd say I'm saved if I, if I actually was acting saved. No, he said, it is your confession that produces salvation. All right, let's say it this way. It is your confession that precedes your personal possession. In other words, you say you got it, and your confession produces salvation in your experience. In other words, what Jesus did, he did how many years ago? 2,000 years ago. He did it for everybody. Before it becomes real to you is you make that confession and it produces the experience of salvation in 2022. 21, whenever you made the first confession, but I want to show you something here. This is not an altar call scripture that Paul's writing the whole book of Romans, and he says, oh, preachers won't know what to do for the altar call, so I need to write this. No, what Paul is writing here is not for an altar call. It is the initial and continual confession of every believer. Let's try this out over. In other words, he said, well, I did that, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, but it is that confession that is not just initial, but that word in your mouth brings the possession of what? Not only one day I'm going to go to heaven, but of what? Every benefit of your salvation. All right, now go, for, go to Hebrews 4.14. I'm, I'm going to leave some of this out, but when you see the importance of it, praise the Lord, you'll actually become a professional at it. Go to Hebrews 4.14, and here's what the Apostle Paul says to the believers in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 Wow. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, when he says, let us hold fast our profession, really it's the same identical Greek word as the word confession. He just uses profession, same word as confession. Same word in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10 confession. So he says, now 
hold fast to your profession. In other words, when you see what Jesus has done for you in his death and resurrection, I'm encouraging you as a believer to hold fast, hold on tight to your confession or profession. Hold on tight to your confession. Why would he tell you to hold on tight to it? Because it may not always look like, and you may not always feel like, but he said it is that confession that will produce the reality of it. So when he says, hold on tight, uh, you know, I just went with uh, Mike Barber who played for the uh, Houston Oilers years ago, and uh, he's tied in, great, great football player. Went with him and with Dr. Avery Jackson, Dr. Avery Jackson from Detroit, and it actually was his first rodeo. So I bought him a big cowboy hat. You know, he's a pretty big guy. You know, he's having the time of his life. And so we got a really great seats, you know, watching the rodeo. My favorite part of the rodeo is the bull riding. Amen. One, one, one rodeo I went to, it was bulls 10, cowboys zero. This was one of the main events. So I think it was like bulls 12, cowboys five. In other words, only five held on for eight seconds. Well, it's great just to show up, but you don't really get awarded for that. You get awarded for holding on. So you notice the process, none of those get on the bull real fast. They get on really slow, and they're wrapping their hand up. That means you're fixing to go for a ride. And that bull, come on, they study the bull because he's going to do everything he can to throw you off. He's going to try to throw you to the right, throw you to the left, throw you backwards. Come on, he's got all kinds of twists and turns. So what, what Paul said, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you better hold on tight because you're fixing to go for a ride. The devil's going to try to throw you to the right. He's going to try to throw you to the left. He's going to try to stomp your head. But he said, but you hold on tight. And this ain't no eight-second ride. Hallelujah. Hold fast to what Amplified Bible says, your confession of faith in him. Everybody say, my confession of faith in him. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. Don't turn loose of it. Don't forget about it because that confession that brings the experience of salvation into your life. Praise the Lord. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had to fly to Las Vegas, and we have our own jet, uh, Citation 3. We've had it for years. And our pilots wanted to be off for Easter because one of them had a new baby. and said, oh, yeah, you can be off for Easter. So we had to fly commercial. Well, that's kind of a, a new, new thing, flying commercial. You're like, oh, wow, this is the way it happens, huh? I forgot. So, the mask, we were still in the mask department, and if you mask, you know, your secret is eating for a sandwich for an hour and a half, you know, and then you don't have to wear that thing. So, so we're here, and they're telling you, pull up your mask and everything. The first leg of our trip went from Alexandria to Dallas and from Dallas to Las Vegas. So, the first leg is on the commuter small jets. So, my secretary always get us on the... Uh, Exit row. Because exit row, you've got you know, about almost another foot you know, area, and then you're sitting there, and then you've got, if an emergency, you're going to have to pull this thing down, pull this out, throw it out the window. So you're a pretty important person on the exit row. 
So the uh, stewardess comes to you before the flight, and you're sitting there next to the row, and she says, are you willing to help me in the event of an emergency? Well, we're just sitting there, so we just go. She said, I need a verbal response. You cannot nod. You cannot grin. Couldn't see it anyway. You cannot <laughs> twinkle your eyes. I need a verbal response. So you have to say, yes, ma'am, we will help you in the event of an emergency. So a lot of times in church, you've got a lot of nodding going on. Some nodding off. But you've got a lot of nodding going on. And when it comes to the promises of God and the Word of God, God says, I need a verbal response. Come on, so imagine God standing at your row saying, I need a verbal response. In other words, if you want to activate your salvation, you cannot just nod at God. You're going to have to give him a verbal response, and you're going to have to say with your mouth and your voice, Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. He is my Savior, and I boldly confess it right now. Jesus is my Lord. And he said, it is that confession that produces salvation. I need a verbal response. All right, let's try that again. I said, I need a verbal response. Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord, my Savior. That don't just work on Sunday. If you're a professional at your faith, then you can confess on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in your car, in your truck, in your house. Jesus is Lord. Every time a bad thought comes to your mind, you can say, devil, that's a lie. Jesus is my Lord. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. It is my confession that produces the salvation in my experience. What is your confession? So here's what he says in Hebrews 4.14. Seeing what Jesus has done for you, he has passed through the heavens. He is now your high priest. And what a great high priest he is. You say, what do you mean? Why is he so great? Several reasons. He's not just our substitute, but he's our high priest. That the scripture says in Hebrews 4.15, he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Was in all points. <laughs> Let's try that one more time because this is a great theological discussion. How could Jesus, the Son of God, be tempted in all points to sin? It's not possible, but it's not only possible, it's exactly what happened. He was tempted in all points like we are. In other words, you may say, nobody knows how I feel. You can say nobody knows, but Jesus knows exactly how you feel in any situation of temptation or trial in your life. He knows how you feel. You say, why? Because he went through an all points test and passed every test. All right, let's try that one more time. I said he went, come on, if it was money, if it was temptation to sin, he passed every test to become qualified and the author of our salvation. We have a great high priest that is passed into heaven. Hold fast to your confession of faith in him. 
confession of faith in him, who he is, what he's done for you. Amen. So if you understand this subject, then if you wanted to help a brother or a sister, when you see him on Thursday, say, what is your confession? Well, if they weren't paying attention, they'd say, what are you talking about? What is your confession? In other words, what's your confession? I'm giving you an opportunity to release your faith that will bring you into salvation. Not just eternally, but in the situation you're in right now. And sometimes you don't feel like making that confession. Because you feel like, oh, I'm tired, I'm going through trouble, I'm whooped. But listen, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, I know how you feel. So he's not denying that you have feelings. Because he was, he felt every disappointment, everything you could feel, shame, and everything you could talk about. I know how you're feeling, but I'm asking you to hold fast to your confession of faith. Because it's your confession of faith that will bring you to your destiny and bring you into salvation. So, but today we ask people all the time, how are you feeling? Y'all ever ask anybody that? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? We do that all the time. So the Lord said to me, when somebody asks you how you're feeling, especially when you're feeling bad. He said, you say, I'm feeling the same way Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. All right, let's try this. Over. And people say, how, how are you feeling? I'm not denying that I have disappointment or I have trouble and I'm having a struggle, but I'm feeling the same way Jesus was feeling when he overcame the feeling. So if he overcame that feeling, I will too because he is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. So I'm holding on tight to my confession of faith. Praise the Lord. All right, go to Hebrews 3, one real quickly here. Praise the Lord. Amen. What's Hebrews 3 1? All right. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. You ready? Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So here's what he's saying. Our profession, which is our confession of our faith. The only difference between profession and confession just means if you're a professional, you do it every day. You're good at it. If you're an amateur, you only practice on Sunday. Anyway, but if you're an amateur at this subject, come on, you only practice on the weekend. But if you're a professional... You say, I understand the significance of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for me not to give God a nod, but to get up in the morning and give him a what? Verbal response. Well, I'm preaching better than you're responding, don't I? Amen. Don't worry. I've already taken the offering. So, I mean, is this it? So, so this is it. Praise the Lord. Consider. <laughs> But if you don't respond better, I may do a second one. Uh, so he said, consider. <laughs> consider Jesus. Consider. What's the word consider mean? The word consider literally means to meditate on him, 
turn your eyes to him, study him, and see how he did it. In other words, your confession brings this consideration. Let's say it this way. Your confession doesn't make you confession conscious. It makes you Jesus conscious. Consider Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession, which means Jesus right now at the right hand of God, after all he's done through his blood, through the cross, and through his resurrection, now at the right hand of God, Jesus says, I need a verbal response. He takes your confession, the apostle high priest of your confession, and represents your confession to the Father in the highest court in the universe. What is your confession? Praise the Lord. Something so simple and so easy, and yet it's the, it's the one thing that stands between you and hell. Let's try this out. I said, it's the one thing, your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the one thing that keeps you out of hell. It's the one thing that'll get you into heaven. And you go silent for three days. No, you better get your confession going in the morning. Amen. What's your confession? Praise the Lord. Hmm. I'm trying to edit this message right now. <laughs> Dad Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, you know, really our spiritual father, the father of faith, t- teaching us about faith. He said, on this subject of the confession of your faith, he said, I could teach on it every day for two months and never get to the end of it. So when he said that, I thought, well, I've got a you know, sermon or two on the subject, but apparently I don't know a lot about it, so I need to learn something else about it on the importance. He said, it's the most valuable, significant, and important subjects in the whole Bible, the confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, let me just give you these other two scriptures kind of quickly here. Uh, Hebrews 4.14. Hebrews 10.23, it kind of says it this way. Hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. All right, let's try this one more time. In other words, don't say one thing on Sunday. Say something different on Tuesday. He says, hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering because he is faithful, that promise. In other words, the confession of my faith connects me to his faithfulness. And he says, hold on tight. No wavering allowed. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on. In other words, the doctor gives you one report. Come on. We got that when Trina had a brain tumor. Brain tumor disappeared, what, 30 years ago, and the doctor told her she'd be paralyzed the rest of her life. Well, who am I going to agree with? Well, thank God for the doctor, but I decided I was going to agree with Jesus. Amen. So I just went and said, Tumor, you're going to have to get out of here because I have faith in God. I'm not the one that removes you, but I'm the one that tells you you got to go. And God comes in and performs a miracle. I'm just a believer. Come on, God's a performer. But my confession that by Jesus' stripes she was healed simply means, devil, you have no right to put that on my wife's body. In the name of Jesus, come on. And we put a big sign on the wall that said, no wavering allowed. 
And I put a big heavy set woman out front of the door from the church. And there was a list of names. And if your name wasn't on that list, you're not getting in that room. Why? Because it's life or death here. I don't need you coming and patting her on the head and say, poor thing. Come on, that pat ain't going to do nothing. I need somebody full of faith to come in here. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. All right, did you hear about that bully in school? You know, y'all grew up in school and you got different guys, you know, maybe. Maybe a bully now, maybe even girls. <laughs> you know, you, you got some bullies. They're going to have their way, you know, and act like they're in charge. So that bully at school, he pulled out a piece of paper and he, he had a list of names on there. Another guy walked over there and said, ask that bully, so what you got? What's that list on that paper? And the bully said, this is the name, the list of names of every person in this school that I can whoop. So the guy looked at it and he said, hey, he said, you got my name on there. He said, you can't whoop me. The guy said, okay, I'll take your name off. <laughs> now, anytime you're on the list of names that the devil thinks he can whoop, you're going to declare Jesus is my Lord. Devil, you better take my name off that list because I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Just take my name off because I'm redeemed from the curse. Come on, I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out, and Jesus is my healer. Take my name off the list. Hallelujah. So he says, hold on fast. Hold on tight. Why did he say to hold on tight? Because many times your faith will be challenged immediately when you make that confession. And he says, you better hold on tight. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. All right, let's try this out. It'll be better. You hold on tight. Come on. Or the devil say, well, you sure don't look healed. You don't feel healed. You don't even look blessed. <laughs> you don't look like you have more than enough. And you're confessing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. And I never lack for money. I never lack for money. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm a tither. I'm a generous giver. And God multiplies my seed sown. He makes all grace abound towards me. And the money always comes to me because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Houses and lands come into my hands. And the devil says, sure, don't look that way. You say, but my confession is what produces my salvation. Praise the Lord. All right, where did we go to? We went Hebrews 414, 3 1, 10 23. Wow, man. Man. All right. Let me give you this one Hebrews 13 15. Hebrews 13 15. Here's your confession. Your confession, same words here in Hebrews 13, 15. Same words in 1 Timothy 6, 12 where it says to fight. Y'all still with me? Fight. Good fight. If you don't like to fight, you're not going to enjoy living by faith. If I'm a middle child, I like to fight. If you want to get in a war of words, let's get after it. If you want to go to fist, let's get after it. If the fight ain't happening, I usually start one. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Fight. So there is a fight to faith. 
Now, I love this story because uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, I love old stories of history. Abraham Lincoln said in his uh, little community where he lived growing up, he said there was a guy that had a little dog that could whip all the big dogs. You only understand that if you live in the country, you don't want the neighbor's dog coming over and whooping your dog. <laughs> years ago, I don't know now, but years ago I had a Sharpay, which is a Chinese fighting dog. So a Sharpay has wrinkles, wrinkles everywhere, and they're really cute. But they also have a little bit of an attitude. That means if you come in their yard, and if another dog comes over, they got wrinkles all over them. And if another dog tries to grab them by the throat, all the wrinkles there, and the skin stretches out. So he was actually bred to fight. So I had a Sharpay, and I had to get rid of him when my neighbor's cat had bad results. But anyway, so my Sharpay dog. <laughs> I did pay for everything, but anyway. Cat with a splint, but anyway. So, crutches. <laughs> it's not funny, especially if you're a cat lover, right? All right, so. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so my sharp face got all this skin. So he's designed so if another dog gets him by the throat, he'll say, you think you got me? And he just stretches out, and then he wins the fight. So it seems like the devil got a hold of you sometime. And you say, you think you got me? Because you've been designed to win. Come on, you may be facing a situation right now. You say, look like the devil's winning. Looks like he got me. So you got me? You ain't got me. Jesus is my Lord. <laughs> I'm redeemed by his blood. <laughs> and so your fight. And so... Abraham Lincoln said there's a little dog that whip all the big dogs. So he said, well, um, how come the, your little dog whips all the big dogs? He said, well, it's simple. He said, your big dog ain't ready to fight until the fight's half over. He said, my little dog stays mad. <laughs> uh, and so you got a lot of big dogs, but they won't even fight. And the devil has them half whooped, and they go, well, I better start believing God right now. But if you stay mad, come on, if the devil slaps you, say, you slapping me? I boldly confess that Jesus is my Lord. I'm washed in his blood. I'm a new creature in Christ. Come on, I boldly confess. I bring my confession. Come on, y'all sit with me here. I said, I bring my words into agreement with the Word of God. And God will call you things that there's no evidence it exists. All right, let's try this out over here. I said God will call you things. And if you're going to agree with God, he'll call you things. There's no evidence it exists. In other words, ask Gideon. Gideon, living in a hole in the ground, enemies whipping him in every way. Angel shows up and he said, the Lord sent me to give you a message. Gideon said, what's the message? You are a mighty man of valor. He's going wrong address. So, <laughs> must be somebody else. But God will bring you a message in the middle of a challenge that looks like it's the opposite of what you're going through and what you're experiencing. So when Gideon finally said, 
I am a mighty man of valor. He whipped the, all the armies against him with 300 men with a trumpet and a torch. Let's try this again. I said, I dare you to make that confession in agreement with God. All right, Hebrews 13, 15. Let me do this and then I'll close. But I'm not finished with the subject. So don't act like I forgot it. <laughs> if you show up on Monday morning. Y'all find Hebrews 13, 15? Huh? Uh-huh. Don't need no nod. We need a verbal response. Y'all still with me? Hebrews 13, 15. What does it say in Hebrews 13, 15? By him, by him, who's he talking about? Jesus, by him. It's, it's just a preposition. It could say in him, through him, come on, because of what Jesus has done for you, by him, through him, in him, by him, come on, consider him, look to him, see how he won, see what he's done for you, by him. In other words, it makes you conscious of Jesus, who he is. Come on, not just who he was, but who he is right now. Not just who he is in heaven, but who he is in your house. Come on, I grew up in the house. My mama makes sure all the kids knew not who Jesus is at church, not who Jesus is in heaven, not who Jesus was on the cross, but who Jesus is right now. In this house. All right, let's finish, finish reading this. Before this is over, we are going to get a verbal response. <laughs> or you will be kicked out of the exit row. <laughs> I like the exit row because I'm going to be one of the first ones out of here. All right, by him. Come on. Come on, when the trumpet sounds, amen. <laughs> you know, the, God, the, the dead in Christ arise first. Come on, we'll be called up to meet Jesus and the Lord. I'm in the exit row. In Christ, by him, therefore, let us, what? Offer the sacrifice of praise to God every Sunday. When we're at church, Continually. All right, let's try that again. Continually, 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 continually on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, while you're at the house, while you're at work, while you're driving your truck, driving your car, continually. What are we supposed to do? Give the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. I need a verbal response. Giving thanks unto his name. Oh, come on now. I said, by him, we offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Woo! <laughs> continually. You're saved. Come on, you're a Christian. You're born again. You're a child of God. You want to win the fight of faith? How come in your house I never hear you? Oh, you talking about we got to mow the grass. Oh, I don't get to talk about that. We got to mow the grass. Clean the house. We got a lot of things we got to do. 
why don't you in your house, your children and your grandchildren and your husband or your wife hear you in the kitchen, in the living room saying, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I need a verbal response. God says, if you want this to work for you, you cannot be silent about it. Let's try it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm washed in the blood. My name's written down in heaven. I know I have eternal life. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. Praise the Lord. I need a verbal response. In other words, he said, that's how that works. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and smile. I want to see your teeth or your gums or your tooth or whatever. So smile and say. Now, when I pastored years ago, pastor over 20 years now, our son's a pastor. Church growing, doing great. Praise the Lord. And I trained the ushers. When I'm preaching, I like zero disturbance. Do you understand that? Come on, we're broadcasting for television, making television programs for people to hear, millions of people to hear. So we want zero disturbance. Unless somebody wants to shout and praise the Lord, we'll let you do that. Amen. But if you've got to go to the bathroom five or ten times, sit on the back row. Anyway, so the ushers are watching. But one Sunday morning, I'm preaching Right down the middle aisle, TV camera right there, right down the middle aisle, here comes a whole family walking down the middle aisle while I'm preaching. Whole family. You know they was late for church. I'm not trying to pick on you, sister, but anyway. I I do see that you're taking it very well. But anyway, so whole family... I'm just picking on you. We're glad you're here. Praise the Lord. You do have to stay late because you came. But anyway, but anyway, here comes the whole family. <laughs> I know sometimes you can't get them kids ready, right? Just blame it on somebody. So the whole family comes down the middle aisle. Listen, they don't come and sit on the back row or the middle row. They come right. You came to the second row. They came right to the front row. And I had a couple of thoughts, but I cast them down. Not about them, but about the ushers. So I had a couple of thoughts. Who in the world is a head usher today? Anyway, so here they come right while I'm preaching, you know. So I'm sitting people listening to the word. They're watching whoever came. And it happened to be a man, his wife, and I think three kids came all the way down, sat on the front row. So they were visitors. I'd never seen them before. So I just kept preaching, kept on preaching, praise the Lord. And uh, after the sermon, the man comes up to me. He's a pretty big, big, athletic, strong guy. He come up to me and he said, Pastor, excuse me, this man happened to be African-American. <laughs> the whole family, he's a pretty strong guy. He's probably about 50, but he came in there. He said, I, he said, I you know, major athlete, you know, when I was younger, got in trouble, went to prison, had trouble with drugs, dealing drugs. He said, 
Um, but I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord. He said, and I heard you preach today. And he said, and I've been to a lot of churches. And while the preacher was preaching, I've been to a lot of churches. And while the preacher's preaching, he said, I'm sitting there thinking, now I don't know what go into blank, but I know that don't go there. So apparently he'd taken some tests that he didn't know what went into blank. He's like, I don't know what go into blank. But while the preacher preaching, he said, that don't go there. He said, but I came here this morning and I thought, now that's what go in the blank. <laughs> that's what goes in the blank. Your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the blood of Jesus, no matter what the question is, that's what goes in the blank. That Jesus is Lord. Man, that guy became the best soul winner in our church. His whole family, most faithful. His wife still goes to church. And uh, he passed away, went to be with the Lord uh, just a few years ago. And so I did his uh, memorial service. When I did his memorial service, people showed up. I mean, that place was filled. Every one of them had the same testimony. He changed my life because he taught me about Jesus. And he got me free from drugs. He's, Jesus set me free from drugs, but he's the one that told me what goes in the blank. Well, I mean, before he got saved, you know, he had been a gangster, you know, dealing drugs, and then that gang. So at his funeral, uh, a lot of his gang came, and they had been saved. The gang sitting back there. Well, he had told me, he said, I run around with some bad guys. He said, before I got saved, I run around with some bad guys. He said, I got guys to kill you. He said, uh, I have one guy in my gang kill you with a chicken bone. I said, a chicken bone. Kill you with a chicken bone. So at the funeral, I said, which one of y'all kill, could kill somebody with a chicken bone? One guy waved his hand. He goes, that's me, buddy. I'll kill you with a chicken bone. <laughs> That's how I met him afterwards. He said, but Jesus changed my life. Jesus is my Lord. I'm saved. I have eternal life. Come on now. Come on. One testimony. One confession. Listen, Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. In other words, your public confession, not just a private confession. I'll confess you before the Father. So your confession of faith registers three places, number one in heaven, number two in your heart, and number three, over every devil, over hell itself. When you confess Jesus is my Lord, I have been delivered from the power of darkness. I have been translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. Jesus is my Lord. In him, I have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. By the blood of Jesus, your confession. Amen. Hold fast to that confession, even when you don't feel like it. Amen. Some people say, well, I made the confession, but I don't feel nothing. Well, faith comes first. Then feelings have to show up later. Let's try it again. I said, faith comes first, then feelings will show up later. Number one, faith comes first, then the results will show up later. It is the confession 
that produces and makes the possession. Go ahead and laugh for a minute. Praise the Lord. That confession, simple confession, the sound of your voice, a verbal response, hits heaven, hits your heart, and it's over hell and every devil. Jesus is my Lord. Lord Jesus, I call on your name, not just at church, not just on Sunday, not just when I first got saved, but a daily confession of my identification with Christ. He said it is that confession that does what? Brings you into possession. Praise God. If you got it, come on. I found out where I got it. Come on. Amen. I not only found out where I got it, I found out how I got it. That's what go in the blank right there. I found out how I got it through my confession of faith. And then he says, you offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually. And that sacrifice of praise connects you to Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Woo, praise the Lord. Come on, practice for a moment. We need a verbal response. Come on, I can't see your mouth moving. I said, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's my righteousness. If you can't say that at church, where are you going to say that? Come on, that Jesus is my Lord and my Redeemer. The boldness of that confession, woo, brings me into possession of salvation. Praise the Lord. Anybody learn anything today? All right, give the Lord a shout. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's confess him right now before me. And everybody say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your precious blood. Thank you for your powerful resurrection that you triumphed over the enemy. I boldly confess, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my righteousness. I'm washed in his blood. I'm a new creature in Christ. God gave me a new heart. He gave me a new spirit. He gave me new life. I'm a child of God. God is my Father. I know I have eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Satan's power is broken. Sin's power is broken. Jesus. Woo, give the Lord a shout. Come on, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Woo, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know you've been blessed.